Hi, welcome to the Miss Retro Read Show. I hope you enjoyed our last book, Treaties on the Love of God. I enjoyed it because it always uh, makes me realize how much God loves me. And if you don't know how much God loves you, then how can you love him back? So I find it very helpful. So for our show, our facts known by few is about candy. For all you kids out there, you're going to enjoy this. Did you get any yummy candy for Easter? I had a few good ones. The ring pop was invented by Frank Richards in Pennsylvania. He was trying to get his daughter to stop sucking her thumb and invented the ring to put on her thumb. I wonder if he had to go to the dentist after that. Tootsie Rolls were invented in 1907 and were named after the inventor's daughter. Her nickname was Tootsie. When Tootsie Rolls are made, they take the leftovers of the Tootsie Roll from the day before and put it in the new batch. That means technically you can still taste the original taste of Tootsie Roll. Oliver Chase invented a lozenge cutting machine in 1847 when he was only 26 years old. This machine made it possible to make candy on a mass scale. He started the Necco Candy Company. They make the candy hearts with writing on them that you usually see around St. Valentine's Day. The name for Pez Candies is from the name for peppermint in German, which is Fezermans. William Mitchell, a chemist, accidentally invented Pop Rocks in 1956. He also invented Tang, Cool Whip, and Jello. What a guy! The first recipe of Peeps took 27 hours to make. They now only take six minutes. Don't make one for me, though. I'm not a fan. What about you? I've actually seen it Easter. Have you ever seen they have these artworks with peeps where they make them like people in the stands or they'll have them driving race cars or airplanes and they do all these amazing feats. It's funny. You should look that up. But the most popular color of peeps is yellow. The lollipop was invented in 1908 by George Smith. It was named after his favorite racing horse, Lollipop. George Renninger created candy corn in 1880. Some people hate it and some people love it. Which are you? Mystery Dum Dum lollipops are what you get when the last of this batch of candy turns into the beginning of the new batch. I never knew that. And so, of course, it is very much each time a mystery. In Canada, Smarties are known as Rockets. So if you are Canadian, Rockets are called Smarties. Haribo gummy bears were made in Germany in 1922. Cotton candy was originally called Fairy Floss. It was invented by a confectioner and a dentist in 1897. At the 1904 World's Fair, they sold... 68,655 boxes at 25 cents a box, around $6 in our money today. 
Did you know that in the 1930s, chocolate wasn't as popular as it is today because in the hotter months it melted? Mr. Forrest Mars partnered with Mr. Bruce Murray to make a hard shelled candy they named M&Ms for Mars and Murray. They originally came in the colors brown, red, orange, yellow, green, or violet coating. They were also the first candy in space in 1981. Nerds were found at the bottom of the machine after making everlasting gobstoppers. My favorite candy at the moment is Nerds on a Rope. It's like red licorice with nerds stuck all over it. What's your favorite candy? For It's All Good, I'd like to recommend the movie Horse in the Gray Flannel Suit. It's a 1968 film with Dean Jones, Kurt Russell, and Diane Baker. My sister and I were talking recently about movies, and she really enjoyed this film as a kid. She mentioned that she would watch this a lot. It's about a girl who loves horses and riding. Her father is an advertising executive. He's trying to think up a way to advertise a medicine called Aspercell. His daughter wants a horse, but he can't afford it. You know, the upkeep of a horse comes to a lot of money. He has an idea of buying a horse, naming it Aspercell, and having his daughter ride the horse in competition. That way his daughter gets a horse and his boss is happy because every time Aspercell is announced in a competition, people are reminded of the medicine. But of course, problems ensue. My sister loved horses, so I think that's why she liked this film. Seeing the horse compete is pretty cool, though. Do you have a favorite kind of horse? Mine is a Palomino. It's kind of that blondish looking horse, and I believe it's originally from Spain. For busy bees, let's talk about baseball. Who doesn't enjoy playing or watching baseball, especially in the summer months? Uh, for you British people, it's kind of like cricket, but different. It's the great American pastime. And here are some facts about the game. In 1845, the Knickerbocker Baseball Club in New York got together to codify a new set of rules for the game. I looked up a picture of the original Knickerbocker Club, and it's so funny because they have these really big handlebar mustaches. And some of them were firefighters, and one was a banker. They abolished tagging a runner by throwing balls at them. Probably a good idea. And in 1846, they played their first official game against a team of cricket players. By 1865, there were at least 90 amateur teams. In 1862, there was an enclosed baseball field where they sold tickets for people to watch the game. There is a National Baseball Association formed in 1871. The Cincinnati Reds are considered the first professional team. The Cleveland Indians were the first to have numbers on the players' jerseys. 
And the U.S., Taiwan, Venezuela, Cuba, and Dominican Republics all consider baseball their national sport, so it's pretty popular. Cal Hubbard is the only player to be in the Pro Football and Baseball Hall of Fame. He played for the Packers, the Giants, and the Pirates, and then became an MLB umpire. Pretty impressive. President Howard Taft was a semi-pro player and was the first president to throw out a ceremonial first pitch in 1910. During World War II, when most men were fighting in the war, there was an all-American girl professional baseball league formed. In 1920, the most innings were played with 26 between the Brooklyn and Boston teams. It was finally called a tie because of darkness. That's so hilarious. On August 16, 1920, shortstop Ray Chapman was hit in the head by a pitch. Sadly, he died the next day. He's the only death in MLB history. Atlanta Braves manager Bob Cox has been ejected from a game 161 times, the most in the MLB. So for you non-baseball watchers, the coach sometimes with certain calls that he doesn't agree with will go out and argue with the umpire who is like the guy who sets the rules and says, no, you can't do this. So they can get very heated at times, but the umpire can throw the manager out of the game. And so he has to leave and storm off. On September 24, 2010, the fastest pitch ever recorded was 105.1 miles per hour thrown by Aroldis Chapman of the Padres. Pitcher Jim Abbott is the only pitcher to have one arm. He played 10 seasons and had a record of 87 and 108 and an ERA of 4.25. A baseball has 108 red stitches on it. The most home runs by a single player in a game is four. Now, 18 players have done this feat. So if you ever see in a game one player in one game hit five home runs, you can say, hey, that's a record. Nolan Ryan was the oldest pitcher to throw a no-hitter at age 44 on May 1, 1991. Cal Ripken Jr. holds the record for the most consecutive games played at 2,632. Lou Gehrig came in second at 2,130 games. Hey, that's pretty good for anyone who, you know, has to go to school every day or has to go to work every day. Just think of Cal Ripken, 2,632 consecutive games. That's pretty cool. Richie Ashbourne hit a foul ball, which broke a woman's nose in the stands. As she was being carried out by medics, Ashbourne hit her with a second foul ball, this time in the leg. Typically, 70 balls are used in a baseball game. Baseballs have a short life of five to seven pitches. The youngest player in the MLB was 15 years, 360 days old. Joe Nuxhall was a left-handed pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds in 1944. 
Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. were the first father-son duo to play together in the MLB in August of 1990. The fastest game ever played was in 1919 between the Giants and the Phillies. The Giants won 6-1 in 51 minutes. For books I have known, I'd like to recommend True Stories of Great Escapes by Reader's Digest. I read this story a lot as a kid, and it was good because it had little short stories And each one was packed with adventure. It was very fun to read. It had 42 accounts of death-defying escapes and 100, uh, let's see, 608 pages. It has Winston Churchill's escape during the Boer War. It has escapes in World War II and people trying to get over the Berlin Wall when it was still up. It also has people trying to escape communism such as Cuba. Did you hear recently of two people escaping Cuba by flying a motorized hand glider? They flew 90 miles from Cuba to Florida. You can tell just by this one escape how much people want freedom. There's a story of a family escaping East Germany by a hot air balloon that they made themselves. You can still buy the book secondhand. I look for books on eBay and Thrift Books, Thrift, T-H-R-I-F-T, and Mercari, M-E-R-C-A-R-I. Now, if you're a kid, you have to ask permission to get on these sites because only adults can purchase things on them. All of the stories are true, which is a cool thing. There's one story of a young woman in World War II who helped British and American soldiers escape by floating on a rubber inner tube and pulling herself and the soldiers across by rope. The amazing chances these people took to help others is inspiring to me. If you can get your hands on a copy, it's well worth it. No matter what the time, we all have to strive for freedom in our own lives. You can do that in your daily life by not being a slave to sin and by also doing good works. If someone is in need around you, you can be the hero of the day by doing the right thing. As Shakespeare said, all the world is a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts. Make sure your part is a good one. There are men and women of the past who have been renowned for their bravery and good deeds. What about you? What about me? They say there are no small parts, just small actors. Accept the part you're given in life, but play it well. The next book I will be reading was first published in a magazine in 1927 as Freddy the Pig To and Again. It was later renamed Freddy Goes to Florida by Walter R. Brooks. It's about a bunch of farm animals who decide winter on their farm is much too cold for them. Freddy the pig comes up with the idea of them all going to Florida for the winter. Now, the rest of the series, there's quite a few, they were all printed much later, and so I won't be able to read those. But they are available on... Um, some sites where they're read to you. 
but you could probably find the books in the library or at secondhand bookstores. I would highly recommend them for kids. They're pretty funny. So join me next for this funny book. And thanks for listening to Miss Retro Reads Good Books. Have a great day.